Salam. This is In Conversation with Network Reorient in association with Reorient Journal and the Critical Muslim Studies Project. We aim to explore the post-Western, reconnecting the Islamosphere. In this episode, Ismail Patel is in conversation with Professor Yaakov Yadga on Jews, Jewish, Zionism and Israel nation-state. Welcome to Network Reorient Podcast, a project of Critical Muslim Studies. Today, I have a guest whose work revolves around issues of Jewish identity, religion, politics, and secularism. He has published widely, including several books that are important for us today. One, three in particular, Beyond Secularism, Traditions, and the Critique of Israeli Secularism, Sovereign Jews, Israeli Zionism and Judaism, and finally, Israel's Jewish Identity Crisis, State and Politics in the Middle East. No doubt we'll draw on these books, but the main focus of today's discussion will be around an article published in the Reorient Journal titled Jewish Politics or Politics of Jews on Israeli nation statehood. Besides being an erudite author, my guest is exploring politically some of the most sensitive issues to do with Judaism, Zionism, and the nation state of Israel. He is Professor Yaakov Yadga, who is the Stanley Lewis Professor of Israeli Studies School of Interdisciplinary Area Studies and Department of Politics and International Relations Fellow at St. Anne's College, University of Oxford. Welcome and thank you for joining me, Professor Yadgar. Thank you, Ismail, and thank you for this generous introduction. No, it's, it's uh, my pleasure indeed. We have got so many things to cover in such a sort of exciting and at the same time sensitive area uh, to explore. Yeah. So before we start that, it would be very interesting to hear your background and your motivation to look at this a- area. As I mentioned in the introduction, that very few people have ventured to look at Israel's Jewish identity with a sort of secular nationhood state. Yes. Uh, you know, I often say that, uh, unfortunately, my motivation for doing uh, much of my research is frustration. It is frustration with the uh, with the main discourse or the main uh, unexamined assumptions of a very wide field that is usually dubbed under religion and politics or religion and nationalism in Israel and in Zionism, uh, but is obviously uh, relevant beyond the Israeli case. Uh, I, you know, I, my background is uh, in political science. I grew up in political science departments and um, specifically when in Israel, the issue of religion and politics in uh, in Israeli uh, history and contemporary politics is one of the main issues to be dealt with. And it's been frustrating to see how everybody, quote unquote, but how the main stream and the main assumption of the field is that there's this universal division between secularism and uh, religiosity or religion um, that everybody falls into, and then a whole narrative of how to explain Zionism as a secularization of uh, Jewishness or of Judaism and its outcomes, while clearly the reality in Israel and any uh, cursory study of the history of the Zionist ideology shows us the picture to be much more complicated than that. Um, so I, I guess uh, this is a segue into this work and others. Uh, it, it is my attempt at trying to encourage a more nuanced and maybe renewed view of, of issues that we 
often talk about without uh, questioning our assumptions. The main, the main uh, uh, subject in, uh, in the case of this article is the, the very meaning of Israel as being a Jewish state, right? We often refer to Israel as the Jewish state, as a synonym, uh, uh, I'm sorry, as a synonym, right? Uh, the Israel or the state of Israel and the Jewish state are synonymous to each other. But the very meaning of this designation, what does it mean for Israel to be Jewish, is probably the most contested issue in Israeli politics and in the politics of the Middle East uh, derived from it. Thanks for that. Uh, so you basically make a distinction between secularism and religion. And I think from there you draw a more, more contentious uh, differentiation between Jew as a noun and Jewishness as an adjective. Maybe you'd like to take us there? Well, first of all, regarding this distinction between um, religion and uh, secularism, I must say that the point of view I enter this discussion is obviously not my own. It's not a novelty. There's so many good and brilliant scholars have written critically about the construction or the formation of secularism in Europe, in modernity, as part of a Christian history, and I obviously share the critical uh, view of the application of this dichotomy to other cases, primarily the Muslim and Jewish cases, which are obviously, well, they obviously do not fit this uh, uh, Christian in origin distinction. However, in the context of a European modern mindset that views itself as secular or secularizing, I detect two uh, contesting notions of Jewishness that emerge side by side. Um, one would be viewing itself as objective. One would be what I call uh, the politics of Jews or the, the view that focuses on a Jew, on Jewishness as a matter of being. It's, it's supposedly objective. It would refer to some objective criteria, usually one's ancestry, one's blood, quote unquote, that would define one as a Jew being a Jew. Um, so this would uh, assume Jewishness to be something like uh, ethnicity or race or something uh, along these lines that one does not choose. One is, in a sense, forced into this identity. But then there's no outside perspective that would dictate what this Jew should or shouldn't do, whatever he or she are doing, whatever they do, is Jewish by virtue of them being Jews. Another perspective, also fitting within a secular mindset, but maybe more, um, more attentive to traditional understandings of Jewishness, um, would argue that there's an outside judgmental perspective that determines what Jewishness is. It would expect Jews to also abide by a certain loyal dialogue with, let's call it tradition. Um, so this would be the Jewish politics. It would argue that for something to be Jewish, it's not enough for it to be of a Jewish ancestry. For, some, for someone or for some, uh, it doesn't have to be a person in this case, um, let's say um, an, an attitude, a value, uh, a tradition, for it to be considered Jewish, we would expect it to correspond positively with uh, this vast ocean of Jewish tradition. Now, obviously, there's no one reading of what this would mean, because tradition by its 
own definition, well, you know, very definition of, of tradition. It's a uh, McIntyre's famous, uh, uh, um, um, I'm sorry, definition. It's an argument over time, right? Um, so there is obviously a field of contestation regarding this meaning, but there is obviously an outside perspective that would judge someone whether they are authentically or inauthentically Jewish. So basically, we, ha we have then, if you make that distinction between Jews and Jewishness, the way I would see it from a linguistic perspective, signify a signified difference, um, giving you a signification uh, of something. Uh, and then you have the emergence itself of Jewish state versus a Jew state. Because once you make your distinction, then you, that, that brings to your second question, which you raise in your article. Uh, and how do we then understand the modern state of Israel between a Jew, between being a Jewish state or a state for Jews. Yes, and um, and I, I I hang on a linguistic uh, trope here also that uh, the term uh, a Jewish state or the Jewish state, obviously it's the one Jewish state, is translated into Hebrew in two different ways, which are those two signifiers of completely different or fundamentally different uh, political horizons or worldviews. It could be Medinat Hayudi, the state of Jews, or it could be Medina Yehudit, a Jewish state. And if you know, if we keep in mind this distinction between a Jew and something that's Jewish, and we carry it to, to politics, so the distinction between the Jews state or the state of Jews, and on the other hand, a Jewish state, we can immediately see these two different trajectories of the polity. A Jews state would be primarily focused on matters of demography. As long as the population in the name of which the state is sovereign, as long as this population is considered to be a majority of Jews, then everything that the state does would be considered Jewish. So as long as it's the state of the Jews, whatever the Jews do would account would would be counted. I'm sorry, as as Jewish. The other perspective, that of uh, Jewish politics or the Jewish state, would say that for the state to be Jewish, it has to do something more than just rule over a majority that is Jewish. It would say that the state have to, for example, abide by an ethic that is Jewish. Uh, it would expect, for example, um, uh, the economy to follow some basic rules of uh, behavior that are dictated or that are oriented by uh, tradition and, and so forth. Um, from the point of view of the state of Jews, there really is nothing that would be not considered Jewish if Jews do it. From the Jewish sure. politics point of view, there definitely are actions and behaviors by Jews who could be who could be considered un-Jewish. So in that state, in that if just to paraphrase you to just understand you better, yes. is are we trying to say then that state modern state of Israel is more dependent on the Jewish body itself to make it a, Jew, a state of the Jews rather than a Jewish yes. state? Is that what you well, say, Let me put it this way. When the Zionist project emerges, these two readings are obviously cohabitating. They are uh, representatives of uh, and, and very good spokespeople for 
both uh, uh, both visions and in a sense the necessity of the politics allow them to cohabitate without necessarily breaking it up um, and to this day you can see both streams within Israel however I think it's pretty safe to argue that ultimately when Israel was constituted as a state in 1948, uh, the dominant stream has been that of the state of Jews. Uh, um, the, the political Zionist uh, view that thought that the main task is right now to establish a state for Jews, specifically following uh, the Holocaust and the need to have a safe haven for, uh, for Jews. And um, any normative questions regarding the Jewishness of the state were pushed to uh, to a second degree concern in a sense uh, but these concerns have not uh, have not disappeared if you judge the, Israel, the politics of Israel throughout more than 70 years of statehood I think it's clear yes that your your question touches the uh, the point right uh, head on it's clear that Israel has been conducting, conducting itself as a Jewish state primarily around concerns of uh, demography. That is the continuous arithmetic of majority versus minority, where the very existence of a sizable minority of non-Jews, Palestinian Arabs, within the state's population is seen as a threat. I think we'll come to that in, in a while. I think it'll take us completely on a different tangent on, on to, to dig you more onto this uh, issue, internal issue within Israeli society. Uh, I mean, obviously, the, the argument that you've put so far is so historically based between Herzl and Ahad Aham, between the political and the spiritual differentiation. Um, how do you sort of account for the majority of, should we say, Israelis to, for... Uh, nuance and say, come to accept the political nationalist aspect to be Jewish rather than being Jew, than the traditionalist aspect. Yes. Oh, you know, I, I think it's uh, from the point of view of the Jewish world or Jewish peoplehood, this is probably the most uh, um, crucial influence of the state of Israel on Judaism uh, at large, or the Jewish world at large. Israel is constituted on a certain understanding of Jewishness that is not necessarily shared by uh, Jews throughout the world or by Jewish people throughout the world. Um, specifically, if we think about the formative years of uh, uh, the early 1950s and the early 1960s, when um, a majority of European Jews in pre-state Palestine then rule over the Jewish state and they absorb almost a million of immigrants from um, not Europe, from the Middle East and from North Africa. The process also involved this Middle Eastern and North African Jews adaptation to a wholly different, to a fundamentally different understanding of their Jewishness. And it's clear that they are, have largely fit in with this framework. They readopted uh, uh, their own self-understanding as Jews. Uh, Mahmoud Mamdani, in uh, his recent book, calls it the Judaization of the Arab Jews. Uh, not meaning that they were not Jewish earlier, but it is their fitting within a framework where their Jewish identity is dictated by 
membership in the Jews state. Uh, to a degree to which that this membership is in sense uh, enough, is, is sufficient uh, for them to be considered uh, Jewish regardless of their observance, for example, or their correspondence with the tradition. Um, but it is also a contested field. It's not decided. Uh, there are reactions to it or counter-reactions. Uh, from the 1980s, for example, one of the dominant phenomenons in uh, Israeli party politics has been the emergence of Shas, which is an ultra-orthodox Sephardi uh, uh, party, in a sense combining the two reactions to this uh, um, nationalization or Judaization of the Arab Jews, which is a doubling down on a sense of commitment to tradition, but then done in a very... European ultra-Orthodox mindset. Um, so I think uh, the field is still in play, obviously, but we cannot forget that this is all done under the heavy hand of a sovereign that has an army, that has, uh, uh, that has the ability to dictate a reality in which the conflict is uh, uh, ongoing. So many different issues are pushed aside in the name of first, you know, conducting the war or conducting the, the conflict. That, that reminds me of, of the Beta Israels or the Ethiopian Israels, as they're known, uh, when they had to, when they migrated to Israel, they, they had to go through a conversion certification. Uh, putting that with your wider discussion that you just uh, presented, would you say then that Zionism is, uh, so we say, a gateway, if not dictating what Jewishness should stand for? Ismail, this is probably uh, the most crucial point about uh, the Zionist revolution and its uh, unfinished nature, in a sense. Zionism did exactly that. It tried to reformulate, to redefine the meaning of Jewish identity. It did it explicitly so. It was um, revolutionary re exactly in its relation to its own Jewish history. But it never formulated an independent, viable, alternative definition of Jewishness to that of the tradition. So Zionism would argue that it is the state or the politicization of Jewishness around which Jewish identity should now coalesce and uh, through which it should be defined, but the state itself does not offer its own understanding a line of demarcation that would distinguish Jews from non-Jews. Now, it is, it, it, it is not necessary in every context to have this line of demarcation. It is obviously necessary in the case of a state that builds itself on the notion of a Jewish majority. So how does, the, how does the state decide who's a Jew and who's not a Jew? As far as I know, Israel is the only state in the world that makes it its own business to make this decision, but it doesn't make it itself. It outsources this decision to orthodox rabbis who are quite agnostic, if not even critical, uh, regarding Zionism and the whole ideological project. The rabbis... They practice uh, a traditional understanding of Jewishness where, um, where for one to become Jewish, one has not only to 
pass some short ritual, one has to study and to acquire an understanding and to express a very strong willingness to be part of the Jewish world. They're actually quite uh, uh, suspicious of people who want to join in. Judaism has always been like that. It wasn't, it, it's not a proselytizing uh, um, a tradition. Uh, and then you get this really weird situation, for lack of a better adjective, where a state that is constructed, constituted on a secularist ethos, sends the newcomers who want to join in the nation to the rabbis to go through a conversion process to which most Israelis have no relation or affiliation whatsoever. So the converts, for example, they have to learn the intricacies of an orthodox interpretation of Jewish law, of which most Israelis really have uh, no knowledge. They're ignorant of it. Um, but that's because the state itself does not have, does not offer um, its own understanding or its own gateway to uh, Jewish identity. What, what do you think drives the alliance between the orthodox rabbis, as you put it, who are agnostic to the state, uh, and the state that is yes. trying to promote Jew as an individual rather than Jewishness as a faith? Yes, uh, it's a fascinating question. And I often ask uh, myself this question, why are the rabbis doing this uh, job? Why are they serving um, a sovereign whom they view as, uh, well, as a transgression in many ways, a transgression of, uh, of, 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 of the theological will that Jews remain in exile. Um, I think it's largely the convenience of a division of labor. Um, uh, the Zionist project and then the State of Israel have established this, uh, we call it the status quo, but it's, an, it's a convenient division of labor where the Orthodox rabbis, and note, only the Orthodox rabbis within the Israeli sovereignty, not the majority of Jews outside of Israel who are not Orthodox, um, this, this uh, Orthodox establishment won the, how would I call it, the monopoly over traditional Jewish authenticity. The state, in, its, uh, in, a, in, in, a, in a sense, is saying this is what traditional Judaism or Jewish religion is. Anything else is not uh, authentic. Uh, on the other hand, the state and the secular liberal elite of the state or the Zionist liberal elite, is endowed with the authenticity of uh, a modern Jewish identity, of modernity, of enlightenment, in a sense. And the two sides are very uncomfortable with each other, but they are comfortable in a configuration of power where they hold the state, which is theirs, that prefers Jews over non-Jews, obviously by its own uh, uh, you know, self-understanding, um, and obviously holds many resources. We can't ignore the fact that uh, these rabbis who function in rabbinical courts that, I, that are state uh, uh, functionaries de are depending on the state for their livelihood, to say the least. So I suppose as you wrote, we can turn this on its head and say that Zionism is not independent of Jewish secular test on one side, but at the, more, at the same time, token, 
it is saturated with Jewish tradition or claiming to be saturated with yes. it. Yes, yeah, I think, and I, I you know, ex expand on this in my books. This article that we are now focusing on doesn't really explore this uh, too deeply, but I think the argument uh, is quite straightforward. Uh, we often hear this narrative by which Zionism is a secularization of Judaism. And I think this narrative is simply misleading. First of all, what is secular, secularization? What does it mean to, secular, to secularize Judaism, especially when you consider the fact that secularity and the secular are born from a, a, an outside tradition, the, the, the European and Christian tradition, but specifically, when you consider what it meant for Zionists to view themselves as secular, you see that it doesn't hold much at all because Zionism has never come to terms with its own claim to Jewish identity. Maybe, you know, again, let us say the obvious. Zionism is a form of Jewish nationalism. When um, not too long ago, in 20. 13, it came to the Israeli Supreme Court. Israelis approached the court and asked to be registered as members of the Israeli nation, not of the Jewish nation, in the state's own population registry. The state itself and the court denied them this request, saying that Israel is the it's a Jewish state. It's not a, the, the nation in the name of which Israel is sovereign is not the Israeli nation. It is the Jewish nation. Uh, but how do you square these two uh, uh, um, motivations, in a sense? The motivation to be a Jewish national project and the motivation to rebel against Jewishness and Judaism has been that which determines uh, Israeli politics. And it's not solved. It's far from being solved. Yeah, that's very, very interesting because on one hand, the Zionist state wants to be a secular state, yet it wants to be a Jewish state at the same time. Yes, and I think... Uh, I'm sorry, go on. Carry well, on. I think the, the best uh, recent example of this uh, tension is the infamous, uh, well, in many, in many circles, infamous uh, 2018 basic law, Israel as the state of the Jewish... Israel, the state of the Jewish nation or the nation state law. Uh, a law which attracted a lot of controversy within Israel in the, a decade of, of, of uh, debate over it, and then became an international cause after it was passed by the Israeli parliament. Uh, we, and, and now it is obviously challenged uh, in the courts. Um, I think a, a very viable way of understanding what's going on with this law this nation-state bill or nation-state law, is to see it motivated primarily by this notion of a state of Jews. Uh, it's very clear if you read the, the papers written to, to justify the legal initiative, the legislative initiative in the first place, it's clear that it was motivated by uh, a wish to reaffirm the preference of Jews in Israel as a national uh, um, uh, project but then when the law was written and the debates around it uh, developed it was also attempting to identify Israel as a Jewish state without in its own view or the view of its own formulators without becoming 
religious, so-called, or without falling into the trap, uh, the trap of uh, um, theocracy, so-called. Um, and what you get is a very uh, uh, confused um, uh, piece of legislation that ultimately gives you one message: the state should and has the right to prefer Jews over non-Jews. What's Jewish about it? Uh, I think there's <laughs> there's a lot of room for uh, argumentation here. Sure. So, I mean, we can see all the complications that Zionism and the state of Israel with, between Jew and Jewishness creates internally. Shall we use the word internally to, to refer to the Jewish Jew people? But from external perspective, and we have to take this into account because Israel finds itself in the middle with the Palestinians one way or the other. This bill for them obviously is categorically something that bars them to be part of a nation state. Yes. And and do you think that on its own, the Palestinians are the counter meaning to Israel and the ideas that Zionism itself is propagating them? Yes. And, and it has to do with the different uh, uh, political visions or horizons that are encapsulated in these two terms, a Jew state and a Jewish state. Let me uh, spell it out. The Palestinians are a problem for a state of Jews, by definition. Because if the state of Jews identifies itself by the sheer fact of a Jewish majority, by the sheer calculation of demography, then the very presence of a minority that is not Jewish becomes a threat. And again, this is not, I mean, it plays out in a very specific way in Israel-Palestine, but it's not unique to Israel. You can see it playing out in Europe throughout with this uh, panic uh, surrounding immigration and with Islamophobia uh, expressing itself well right now in, in specifically in France, but not only there. In France, but not just there. Um, it doesn't have to be so. A Jewish state can be identified as Jewish and not become preoccupied with issues of demography. Uh, and, and this is, I guess, a, a more speculative uh, um, uh, exercise, but let us play with this for a second. Just imagine a polity, a state or something else. It doesn't have to be a nation state, but let's imagine a polity that accepts a constitution that we will all agree generally that is a Jewish constitution. Its rules would be such that are viewed collectively as corresponding loyally with Jewish tradition, whatever, again, however we understand it. There does not have to be a preoccupation with demography within this, this, the, the, the context of this state. If everybody accepts the constitution, even if they're not Jewish, it can still be a Jewish state. If it has Jewish ethics, it has a, a, a Jewish sense of running the uh, uh, private and public realms, and so on and so forth, um, demography would not be an issue. But in Israel, clearly, we are now in, um, uh, under uh, a dominance of a view where Israel is primarily a state of Jews. And, and to add to that, Zionism emerges within, specifically after... Uh, 1917, after the Balfour Declaration and the, under um, uh, the colonial 
mandatory British rule, it constructs an opposition, a mutual opposition between Jew and Arab. Think about it. The Arab Jew becomes an oxymoron only in this context. The Arab Jew becomes uh, uh, an identity that connects mutual opposites only when you view Jew and Arab at the same level and as mutually exclusive. Um, and it's only the national modern, again, under colonial British, it, uh, uh, British rule, it, uh, it gained uh, uh, an extra impetus. In such a context, Israel's identity as a Jew's state immediately, okay, without any choice, makes the very presence of Palestinians within, within Israel an issue to deal with, a problem, a threat. And it also makes Israel's place in the Middle East quite problematic because the Middle East is Arab to a large extent. Sure. I mean, of course, also, uh, unlike Europe, the immigration problem, Palestinians are indigenous to the region as well. Yes, so. yes. Uh, yes, of course. And uh, I, I don't want to, uh, yeah, in a sense, disregard the fact that uh, Zionism emerges as a, um, yeah, as a, as a, as a, as a colonial project that uh, settles uh, on a land that is inhabited by people who are not Jewish. So the national, Jewish national project takes place, and this is probably the most determining um, feature of this project. It uh, it plays out on a territory that is inhabited by people who are not Jewish. Uh, now, we have to note, again, maybe maybe it's redundant, but, may, but let me still make the point that the well-reading of Jewish nationalism and of even the, of the Zionist project that did not necessarily see this, uh, this fact that uh, uh, Zionism establishes itself in Palestine among Palestinians to determine a demographic anxiety surrounding uh, uh, the polity. Uh, you know, we can think of uh, the binational uh, programs that were advocated by uh, certain groups within the Israeli, oh, sorry, the, the Zionist uh, settlement in mandatory Palestine. Um, it's just one example of, uh, of a view of Jewish nationalism playing out in Palestine without necessarily making this uh, demographic uh, uh, Anxiety, the the determining feature of uh, uh, of Jewish politics in Palestine. Uh, I mean, Zionist uh, genealogy is quite complex, but just to simplify, it is they, I mean they start as a pariah within the Jewish society. Um, most of the rabbis up until middle nineteen thirties rejected Zionism uh, as a political movement or as a means of em emancipation. Obviously, that changes after the Holocaust and so forth, and it has gained its own momentum. How do you feel, or how do you sense, rather, the strands that are emerging now within Israel and wider Jewish diaspora society on the understanding of Zionism being imbricated within Judaism itself? Yes. Um, I think, if again, if we look uh, in, a wider, in a wider perspective, um, the most uh, important influence of the state of Israel's statehood being in the last uh, almost eight decades on the Jewish world has been its ability to reformulate the way people understand the Jewishness in a manner in which the state plays a central role. So a relation to Judaism becomes, for most people in the Jewish world, 
a, a central feature of their Jewishness. Interestingly, it also uh, characterizes many on the uh, uh, liberal left in the Western world that identify against Zionism and against Israel, but still it's their Jewishness that is defined against uh, uh, the politics of Zionism. But these are obviously uh, a minority. The majority of Jews throughout the world um, uh, to this day, uh, or I mean, maybe more so these days than, uh, than in the past, um, they define their Jewishness also um, with a heavy hand of the state of Israel playing into this definition. Um, um, uh, it, it's interesting to note that uh, the meaning of Zionism within Israel has developed surrounding this. So if in the first decades of statehood, Israel would expect these diaspora Jews as they are viewed from the Israeli point of view, if they expected them to immigrate in order to be fully forming themselves as national modern Jews, um, the, the attitude has changed and now they are expected to support Israel even if they remain outside of the state. So support of the state becomes, uh, uh, the, in a sense, the Zionist imp and Jewish imperative. Having said that, I must note that my, um, my sense nowadays is that there is an obvious growing generational gap where um, younger Jewish people outside of Israel start to develop a more critical view not only of the state of Israel, but also of the, the education they've received and the messages they've received, according to which they must refer to Israel as their state or as something that is very close to them. Uh, and they develop a Jewish identity that nourishes on its own sense of Judaism to criticize Israel. Uh, I think it's very uh, embryonic at this point, but there's a possibility here of something uh, uh, new developing. That's quite fascinating uh, because uh, one way, I mean, if Israel is or becomes emblematic of Judaism, then we have a major issue of the other, what, how that state will encapsulate its citizens to be. I mean, then it can only be as you say, a state of the Jews and not Jewishness when we started the whole discussion. And that leaves, I mean, a big question mark of how they get rid of the people who are not Jews then. The, the national imperative, again, the nation status imperative, which is much, you know, much larger than the, the, the Israeli case itself, is pretty simple. It is built on a fantasy in which all the people live in one state and only these people live in that state, right? So ideally, all Jews would be in the state of the Jews and no Jews would be outside of it. And then everything that is done in the state of the Jews would be considered uh, authentically Jewish, no matter what, uh, uh, what happens there. Now, obviously, this is a fantasy. It's a, it's, a, it's a geopolitical fantasy, but as a driving force, you can see how it determines a lot of the attitudes. The attitudes towards primarily two groups which are its problems, right? The problems with this fantasy. There's the group of non-Jews living within the state, and there's the group of Jews living outside of it. So what does the, uh, the nation-statist Zionist mindset 
do with them. In my book, I, uh, I quote a lot of uh, probably the most vocal of these spokespeople of this uh, um, political stance, uh, a famous Israeli author, A.B. Yoshua, who's famous also for his provocations. A.B. Yoshua expects the state of Israel to be the definition of Jewishness and is a, also a staunch secularist, so he, ex he expects um, a, a, a painful process where Judaism would be cut away from the national uh, Jewish body. But he's famous primarily for the provocations that he does when he goes abroad and speaks to uh, American Jews, for example, or Jews outside of Israel generally, and tells them, you're, you're missing. Your identity is not full. I'm a full Jew, he says, and you are missing. You are a, 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 an incomplete, uh, uh, you are incomplete human beings. Why is it so? Because you have to be part of the Jewish polity. So obviously this is a problematic stance and uh, is a provocateur, not for nothing. This is a, not only is it is a historically uh, uh, revolutionary point of view, it's also very offensive. Uh, but Yoshua or this, you know, this statist, nation statist point of view has another problem. What do you do with non-Jewish citizens of Israel? Are you considering, are you to consider everything that they do within the state also is Jewish? Um, the ideal from this nation's status point of view is indeed such. It would expect that after the conflict is resolved and the Palestinians have their own ability to form a separate uh, uh, polity and uh, to express uh, their self-determination in a different nation state, it's highly dependent on a two-state solution, such a view, then whatever happens within this independent Jewish state or state of Jews would be considered Jewish, even if it's done by non-Jews. Uh, I think it's interesting to follow the logic of this, uh, not only because it's, uh, it's interesting, but also because it shows you the degree to which a following up of the uh, political Zionist mindset is far or detached from the reality of Israeli politics uh, and, and Middle Eastern politics uh, at large. That has been a wonderful discussion. Uh, uh, we could carry on. Uh, but before we finish, I just want to ask you one final question, and you can add whatever you like at the end of it as well. Uh, having discussed quite, quite in depth about the crisis within Jewish society or Jewish Israel, uh, how do you feel the, the future unfolds for it, because we have, as you say, not only here concern for the indigenous Palestinians and how non-Jews would be incorporated to a state, but how the definition of Jewishness itself uh, is likely to morph as we go well, along. Know, I think we need to distinguish here between two, uh, two questions. What do we expect for the state and what do we expect for Jewishness or Judaism? Because uh, it's, you know, Israel is... Uh, uh, growing stronger and uh, uh, as a nation state or as a, as a sovereign state, it seems to be more and more successful in uh, buttressing its uh, uh, position as a, as a regional superpower. And uh, we can easily envision, uh, you know, a near future or a midterm future where Israel continues this uh, strengthening 
regardless of its inability to uh, uh, to come to terms with its own Jewish identity. But the more interesting question is the one you alluded to. So what happens to Jewishness? What happened to Judaism uh, in this context? Um, I would take you as a conclusion, as a concluding remark, to the very formative years of the state. Um, in 1953, um, uh, Israeli soldiers carried the, what they call the Retaliation Act. And, um, um, in, so in retaliation for uh, infiltrators from uh, the West Bank to, to Israel that ended up in the killing of uh, Israeli citizens, the Israeli army uh, demolished and massacred uh, the village of Kibia on the West Bank. This is the famous Kibia incident or Kibia massacre. Uh, if listeners do not know of it, they should you know, look it up and, uh, and hear, read the, the gory details of this. What, what was interesting in this case, which was probably the first case in this, the history of the state of Israel, was not only the international condemnation and not only the apologetics, which we are now very used to reading and listening to in the context of uh, the, the, the state of Israel, but specifically the vocal Jewish critique of this act by Jews from within and from outside of Israel, where the point was, hey, there's an outside judgment of what you did. And it's not the real politic that determines everything. And it's not the, the expediency of the state that justifies everything. There's a Jewish world. There's a Jewish tradition. There's Judaism as a, as a system of thought. There's a Judaism as an ethical message that stands outside of the state and, and judges it. And in this case, it finds it wanting. It finds it guilty of carrying an act that is un-Jewish. I think this is a possible... Um, and and, and uh, I, I would dare say, I hope that would be a, a possible project of developing a new perspective of Israeli Jewishness and Israeli politics, a Jewish critique or a Jewish understanding of the very meaning of uh, sovereignty and nation statehood in the state of Israel. Thank you very much for that. I think we look forward to that counter construct to the sovereign state. Uh, I really, really extremely grateful for participating in this. And for those listeners who want to read uh, Professor Yadgar's article, it's an open access on Reorient Journal. Uh, they can download it and hopefully uh, enthuse themselves with in more greater detail. Professor Yadgar, thank you very much for joining us. And hopefully we'll talk again at some time soon. Thank you very much. This has been another episode of In Conversation, brought to you by Network Reorient, the podcast arm of Critical Muslim Studies. Thank you for tuning in. Have a listen to our other episodes, and please leave a like and a rating.